same China, different stories. We are the ones that found our way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. I'm Tara. Hello. Before I begin, I want to share an update on Katie. Her thesis is due towards the end of May, and she is in the writing zone, or maybe finalizing by the time this goes live. In addition to completing her thesis, which requires, I believe, 25,000 words, she is also working full-time. So I props to anybody who is working full-time out there and also doing any creative projects like this. Today, I am speaking with Lily, who some of you may already know from her YouTube channel, Adoptee Lily. She's a full-time student right now pursuing her PhD in cell and molecular biology. She currently lives in Texas and also has a dog and a cat, I believe. Hi, Lily. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I know you have a pretty crazy schedule, I'm sure, with all this going on. And then school, you had to finish online, right? Is that that correct? (laughs) Well, so, yeah, my program, I finished technically my classes in my first two years and now in my third. So I don't have any classes, but I'm a TA. So it was like transitioning to teaching class online now. But yeah, my last class was yesterday and now I'm just like grading and wrapping up things. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I guess (laughs) summer has officially started in a way. I know I'm just waiting to get back in the lab now. So (laughs) we'll see when that happens. Perfect. So I know you do share a lot about your story and a lot about your experiences as a transracial adoptee, Chinese adoptee, but if if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your background for here as well. Yeah, so I was born in China in 1994, and then I was at the Nanning Social Welfare Institute. From there, I went to the private orphanage Mother's Love, and they matched me with a foster family. And then I was adopted when I was six months old. So yeah, a lot of changes by the time my adoption happened. But yeah, now I'm living in Texas, pursuing a PhD. And then I just advocate for adoptees on social media. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's actually how we connected, I'm sure, was was, was through Instagram, I believe. Yes, Instagram. But, and then I looked at your channel, and you do have a fair amount of videos. I believe 60 as of right now, but you're still creating more Still creating more, and then I had to, like, take some down because I really just was not happy with the quality. Like, mm. <laughs> like especially the earlier ones when I was just like, oh, I just want to tell my story, but I didn't care about, like, lighting and if I'm in focus and what the audio sounded like. <laughs> and then, like, now that years have passed and I've processed more, I'm like, you know what? Let's refilm and, like, make it more cohesive and understandable and just, like, more enjoyable. So the channel's been changing a lot, but total yeah i'm up to like 63 64 episodes so and counting too yeah yeah i've got a lot of ideas so (laughs) i also really enjoy in your videos i'm pretty sure because i did do of course a lot of research as well the the toughest thing was let me try to ask her questions that she hasn't addressed in her videos no you can ask me anything i'm totally fine repeating (laughs) yeah it's cool (laughs) I definitely recommend that people go to your channel, though, because all of your videos, especially the earlier ones that you're talking about, I mean, Mm -hmm. they're short, too, but they address pretty much every question that I believe every transracial adoptee has had or faced. (laughs) I always post them. I'm like, I don't know if anybody can relate to this. I don't know if anybody's getting anything out of it or if they're just like, this girl needs to shut up. But like, (laughs) 
it's not, not for me like I process my story through it so I'm like you know exactly it's me. if other people get something out of it that's good too but yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like well I mean that's great Going along with your videos as well, I wanted to ask you more about having your presence as an adoptee. You consider yourself an advocate, but I know also, I mean, you're a person pursuing a PhD too. Mm -hmm. How has working with feedback, do you feel you have to respond to everybody? Uh, I'm sure there's also a lot of toxic energy that you've dealt with too, with especially having a presence in the YouTube channel too. So in the beginning, I felt like I had to respond to everybody. And I think that might just be like me being a people pleaser. And like, Mm -hmm. I hate when people don't respond to me. I'm like, oh my God, did I say something wrong? Or like, I don't know, do they just not like me? So I I like don't want people to feel that way from me. But yeah, now that I progressed more in my PhD and stuff, it's just like, I don't have the time to answer Mm -hmm. everything. And I try to at least say like, hey, I'm not ignoring you. I saw your message and like, I really appreciate your words or like, I'm really glad that you could connect. I just don't have the time or the emotional energy to like counsel you or like give you advice one-on-one. And that seems to be working out well. For a while, there were a lot of adoptive parents and prospective adoptive parents who were DMing me. And I totally understood. I was like, I really want to help you. And like, you know, help you create this safe environment for your child or your future child. But it got to the point where I think people didn't realize how many other people were also messaging me. So they thought that I had all this time to devote. Uh, And I was like, oh, by the way, this isn't my full-time job. Like I have a full-time job too. Right. Um, So yeah. And then YouTube is like, I mean, it's great, but it is a toxic place. Like I get the most backlash there. And I don't know if it's because people are really like seeing me. And so they feel like the backlash I get Mm. seems to be more directed at me as a person and not just what I'm saying. Ah. And so, yeah, to handle that, I just like, I really don't pay attention to the numbers or like subscribers and stuff. And then Mm -hmm. I just, I make sure all of my comments I have to moderate before they're viewable to everybody because there's so many trolls who post like really offensive racist things. And I don't want, like, I am okay handling that myself, but I don't want other young Chinese adoptees who are finding my videos in the comment section and seeing these words and seeing these things directed at me because that, you know, if they relate to what I'm saying, then that comment may also relate to them too. Mm-hmm. And so to protect that, I'm just like, you know what? Every comment has to go through me first. And if it's okay and it actually adds something to the conversation, I'll publish it for everyone to see. But oh. all of the hate and stuff, I'm like, delete, block, because I don't need that in my life at all. I didn't realize you can moderate comments too. That's that's a nice feature. I know. In the beginning, I didn't. And it was easy for me to moderate. But as my channel started picking up, like, obviously you get more trolls. And then I think... I really just shut it down when I posted a video of my sister and me. And so the comments were being directed at her too. And I got so much more defensive Uh, of her. I was like, no, you can't say that about my sister. Like say whatever you want to me, but like, don't bring her into this. And that's when I was like, you know what? Comments need to go through me because anybody can read them. And like, when I realized that young adoptees were on there seeing my videos and they're like, you know, I'm about to go to college and stuff. And, they're scared they're in this huge transition I was like you don't need to be seeing like 
I don't want to say the bad words on there, but like, <laughs> right. you don't need to be seeing this and like oh, adding yeah. more stress and toxicity to your life. So I'll just, I'll take it and moderate it for you and yeah, deal with it. Definitely. I mean, some of the videos you present are very personal things too, uh, beyond yeah. just Bapti as well. I mean, I, I know you gave insight to your relationships mm-hmm. and also a lot of stress too, and mental health. So, I mean very personal thing <laughs> very personal and so like yeah whenever I get backlash and aggression like I know it's trolls but it's also like since I am posting more personal stuff the backlash seems a bit more personal and so mm-hmm. I took it a lot more personally in the beginning but I think now that I've experienced more of life and had to deal with a lot of garbage I'm like you know what it, yes. it's always gonna be there and I'm over it like I don't have the time yes. for it and I'm not going to devote the energy to it because that's what they want. And I don't right. want to give them that. That is something that's huge to learn is when you devote a lot of toxic energy or your attention to the toxic energy, it actually takes more from you than you really need. So it's like, yeah, I'm exactly. not doing this for anybody except me. So yeah. it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> exactly. exactly how I'm approaching this too. <laughs> and we're both also, I would say, probably in the older group of adoptees too. I want to say I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, I've met only like five or six who are a year or two older than me, but they were also adopted around the same time as me. They were just adopted at an mm-hmm. older age. Yes. Um, yeah. So I think we are definitely in like the first phase of adoptees coming to the U.S. from China. I definitely think so. We're also in the group that seems to be starting this whole revolution in a way of more presence of adoptees, Chinese adoptees mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And your sister's actually, you're younger than you, right? Yes. Okay. Also I... adopted from China, so. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I wanted to ask you about that because I am finding it seems to be more common than I thought that uh, more than one baby will be adopted from China as siblings too. Oh, yeah. Possibly. I also know Katie, her younger sister, I believe is a couple years younger, okay. but she, she's also adopted from China, a mm-hmm. different part too. So I was un- wondering if you could give me more insight about that, because I know I personally have not encountered that too much until recently. Oh, yeah. I don't really know, like, my parents' motivation in doing that. And I think it was just like, you know, we want Lily to have a sibling and maybe having a sibling that looks like her and can relate to her would be a good idea (laughs) yeah I think that's a question a lot of parents have now is like should I adopt another child that's of the same race of as this adopted child and I mean I think having that representation and being able to relate to someone in your family like that is great but I also try to remind them like it doesn't replace racial mirrors and stuff in your life like they still need more representation outside of the family but yeah growing up with Leah was awesome and she was surprisingly way more open about adoption than I was because yeah yeah, she's not an advocate or anything and so (laughs) she she would always be very open about missing her birth family and questioning where she came from and I think me being the older sister I was more like no I need to be the good one who doesn't upset anybody in the family and that kind of thing Mm. and be the role model so I would kind of bottle things up but yeah, that 
obviously changed because I'm now an advocate and so right yeah. your your channel mm-hmm. and everything too yeah and so now that we're older and we've processed our stories we can have conversations exactly. about it and stuff but yeah back then she was definitely more vocal about everything. And I was just kind of like, no, my life's perfect. And like, (laughs) I don't care about my (laughs) biological family. I don't care that I'm from China. And so it's interesting how I've evolved and kind of used her, who I've always thought of as my little sister, but kind of she guided me to figure out how to face Mm. the more complex realities with our adoptions. That's cool. I kind of wish I had a sister too, but... (laughs) (laughs) I did find a sister in Katie, though, because we met also through social media, Mm -hmm. CCI, as I mentioned in a previous episode. But we actually, when we started to connect and really talk, we ended up being able to really relate. And so in a way, I call her my sister, too. I joke and I call her my adopted sister from the orphanage, (laughs) which (laughs) some people look at me and they're like, are you sure you should say something like that? Sounds very offensive. And I'm like, I guess I could change it. But it works if it works for, for you me. that's what matters exactly <laughs> and she's not offended by it either I told her I've been telling people you're my adopted sister from the orphanage <laughs> and it, and uh I think that also does show that people are not as sensitive to maybe these days as we're moving into this whole a lot of Asian American has flourished in the in the media and entertainment too mm-hmm. I'm wondering if people are just becoming less sensitive. Because even when I say that and other people get offended, I'm surprised because it's not, it's more of, if anything, I'm insulting myself than you. Yeah, like, who knows? (laughs) It's like, it's not about you. You're not, like, you shouldn't tell me how I should feel about my own story or my own experiences. Yeah, I get it. (laughs) And then, of course, I do enjoy that being a Chinese adoptee, there's a whole community of us. So there's a way you can relate Mm -hmm. and connect with others. And that just happens to be one feature of our lives, which is nice. Right. And I'm enjoying it too. So (laughs) let's take a break. interest in going back to China have you been as well I haven't been since we adopted my sister and I was like two um so I definitely want to go it's just a matter of finding time and money (laughs) um (laughs) yes (laughs) life is busy and now that you know we're in this pandemic I don't know when it'll happen but Mm. I definitely have not even just the want but the need to go back and see where I came from and oh yeah you know that's just I think it's normal for anybody adopted or not to want to see where their family came from and, you know, but I think it's different for us because we were actually born there and so much of our lives was shaped by being born there under this one child policy. And then we came to the U S and, you know, I want to go back and see what it's like. And so I follow like my city's, Facebook page and stuff so I can see like what Mm -hmm. it looks like around there and what they do during all the different festivals and it's it's really cool and it's a different narrative than what 
society has told me it was like Mm. so yeah society you know they tell you that if you if you had stayed there like you would have been just farming rice super poor like you might have been a child bride and then I'm looking at these pictures I'm like this is a very urban area and like beautiful and like this is not the reality that people are trying to push on me and I think they just push it you're in a better life now and so I try to tell people like I don't know if it's better because I don't know what it would have been like before it's just different and that's how I navigate life but yeah I want to go back and spend time there and I think it'll have to be a long trip because right aside of just like doing touristy stuff and whatnot like you're also processing your entire identity at the same time exactly and so yeah I gotta figure out the time to go figure out the money and also who I want to go with because I was going to ask if you wanted to go alone or were you gonna go with somebody I don't know I mean I think I would want to go with the people who've been most supportive and that's my family and I I don't think I told you this but I am back together with my fiance so they yeah okay um they've all been really supportive of my journey and like it doesn't matter what I post on my channel like what realities I'm confessing Mm -hmm. now but it's always like no I want to learn more I want to do more to help you I think I would feel safe enough going to China with them I think there might be some moments where I'm like, you know what, I need to be alone because I don't know. I feel like grieving birth parents in such a vulnerable place might be kind of weird with people from your adoptive family. I agree. I, when I went back to China, actually my dad goes back frequently, Mm -hmm. but recently was the first trip I went back with him, just the two of us. I noticed there was a different, response when I was with my dad or when I was alone Mm -hmm. so when I was alone of course I have very basic Mandarin skills (laughs) and understanding Uh, but I got by I got by but with my dad it was it always surprised people because my dad is fluent in Mandarin he can speak they would be surprised that he would start speaking and then they would totally disregard that I was Mm -hmm. there like all right I I don't mind but it, it is a different perception of course when it's interesting what you said earlier that people were saying, oh, you're going to be, you probably be farming right. on rice paddies yeah. and stuff, which is a very traditional mindset. And it's interesting because the urban areas of China, it's similar to the U.S. too, as they're gentrifying a lot of cities in the U.S. In parts of D.C., for instance, there are neighborhoods that weren't considered safe, but they're gentrifying it. So I'm sure the same thing's happening in China. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that traditional mindset of, you're going to be a farmer, but in urban areas really developed, even my hometown too, Ningbo. I was, I personally was surprised. So that's the catch, yeah. I guess, is, oh, I'm also have that preconceived notion and judgment, which isn't fair. Oh, same. I was surprised. Oh. And like, mine is Southwest China and by the ocean and stuff. So it's very like tropical and like also resort yes. like this is like the life like hanging out by the beach every day okay like I'll exactly <laughs> darn darn america has messed with our minds and completely whitewashed us yeah. i guess i don't know but the the traditional mindset does always come up it seems from my perspective and my experience when i was there is people still do have a sort of aversion to us chinese americans I'm like all right well oh yeah we're just here. 
Yeah, it's like I didn't I didn't choose us. this. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I actually really found your videos about twenty three and me and ancestry pretty interesting mm. too that you're I I've also done both of those yeah. assessments too. And I got I actually got hundred percent Chinese. Really? Which I was sort of surprised because I'm southeast China. Oh that you is said you're you said you're southwest. Southwest right? over by like Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand. Mm. Um yeah, my sister is from Hunan and she got like a hundred percent Chinese. She's like, Well, that was a waste of money. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, a bit. <laughs> and just just a bit. I mean I thought the same thing too. I was like, Oh really? That's no and like ancestry ancestry gave me nothing. Really. Ah. I mean, so twenty three and me is where I had my my better breakdown of ethnicities and ancestry, which is like a hundred percent East Asian. And I was like, I knew that already though. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you enjoy doing outside of pursuing your PhD and your oh. vlogging? Because I think that your vlogging takes a lot of time, I'm sure. Actually, okay, so it would if I filmed everything and then edited all at once. But I'll mm. just like film clips and edit immediately. I mean, it's also a lot easier because mm-hmm. I'm at home all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> as, as we all are. Yeah, but um, I'll just like film... I know my vlogs can be kind of long, right? They're like 20 minutes mm-hmm. sometimes, but I'll just film really short clips of my days. And so uh, it's not like I'm vlogging my entire day. It'll be like now that I'm doing more weekly style vlogs, cause nothing's happening during the day. Um, I'll <laughs> vlog like two or three clips a day and just make it short or whatever. And then just like chop it all together. So I, I find that to be a lot of fun. Like, I know a lot of people don't like watching vlogs. I love watching vlogs because I'm like, oh, I feel like I get to know the person a bit more. Um, right. But it's just fun for me because I get to look back on what I was doing. And especially now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, I'm like, I kind of want to remember this, you know, like have stuff That's to look true. back on. And especially like going through a PhD and going through all of these life changes, I, I like want some documentation of it but that's that's fair I guess that I guess I'm doing that too in audio yeah. form. <laughs> and so yeah it's fun and like I know some people watch like oh I really enjoyed like seeing more of your life not just how adoption is this huge mm-hmm. thing I'm like yeah like there's there's a lot more to me than just being an adoptee and so I think that's really important and I started also doing it because it was very clear to me that a lot of my audience didn't consider any other part of my life because they were very much, yeah, oh, just focusing yes. on adoption and, like, treating it as if 24-7 I needed to be advocating That's and educating. And I was like, look at all this other stuff I do. I'm very interesting. Not really. I'm just a grad <laughs> <Yes>. student. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. Um, and I love reading, although I don't have much motivation now. It's, I think, like, with this whole... COVID-19 thing especially in the beginning I was just so focused on like doing the right thing to like stay safe and my -hmm. mind was elsewhere and even though I had all this time I like didn't have the motivation to read or write or do anything so yeah I don't know I've just been what do I like doing everything that everyone else likes doing like watching tv and (laughs) (laughs) I know I post a lot about like things that people say are productive I guess reading is not a common 
pastime right or like writing I love writing and I'm like I don't consider it like work time though it's just fun for me so right yeah and then like I'm still learning Chinese and I watch like a lot of reality television I just rewatched the hills <laughs> if you watched that ever <laughs> I don't I think I've it's seen like the, the epitome of just trash tv but like from the early okay. 2000s and so it was kind oh of boy. like the very fr- it followed these 20 year olds in LA but it was kind of like the setup for all the real housewives stuff where they just follow people's lives and like so much drama and <laughs> that's what we have right now for yeah, entertainment, like, I guess. yeah this is a good time to rewatch. <laughs> that's funny is there anything you would want to hear from other adoptees or people where adoption is a huge part of their life? What would I want to hear? I'm honestly, I want to hear about other people's complexities with adoption. And I think that's why I talk mm. about it so much because I mean, it really is the dominating narrative that we are all so blessed and we have this great life and we were saved. Yes. In- for many of us, that might be true. And my adoptive family is great. I love them. And I mean, I can't imagine mm-hmm. life without them. But with that comes grief and family separation and all of that. And so I think, yeah, just hearing about other people's struggles, because I want to know that I'm not alone. And so I post to remind mm-hmm. adoptees they're not alone. But it's also like, I'll post and if nobody comments or something, I'm like, all right, maybe I am really alone. Like, I don't know. Right. And so it's great when I have adoptees reach out to me and say, I really connected. Like, I felt so similar. Mm-hmm. And so I want people to be able to do that without needing my platform to start it. Like, I want right. them to have the confidence oh, yeah. and be able to own their own stories and every single part of their story, not just the parts that make people feel good. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's a lot that you also address in your videos early on, too, which it was it was fun watching them mm-hmm. actually now in the present was, oh, uh, yeah, those are all questions that I oh, yeah, and I, I've been asked them. I've taken notes and I'm ready to refilm them. So, <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, okay. those will be changing. I think I'm going to keep them up still because I kind of want like the look at where I came from, like, look at this quality and mm-hmm. look at how I processed this before and how I'm processing it now. But yeah, I have, I've been rewatching my stuff, which is so cringy to me. Like I hate watching myself and like Mm -hmm. listening to things, but there are things where I'm like, Oh, you know, I think my opinion on that has changed because I've gone through more of my life. Right. I think it's important for people to see that progression and recognize that while I might feel one way about my story now, like, it can change based on whatever, like, life happens. What's yeah. going on, right. Yes, that's true. Uh, because, in a way, people, people are watching you grow up, yeah. in a sense, mm-hmm. in those videos. Because you've had the channel for two, two years? years? Yeah, I was 23 years. when I started. I just turned oh, yes. 23 when I started it. And now I'm 25. Okay. So. I consider 23 pretty oh, young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then it's so weird because... I started it because I realized that even though I am, I was only 23, which I think is baby. (laughs) I was like, I'm still like one of the oldest Chinese adoptees though. So like somebody has got to start speaking up and like forming this community and, you know, almost like paving the way for them to start speaking up because like you see all these other adoption communities where they have 
generations of adoptees who have created right. this and I'm like we need to get there because there's so many questions and so many adoptees who are struggling and not speaking up but they just they have to know they're not alone exactly if anything it's yeah the shyness factor of yeah it I mean too. it's terrifying it's to like, do oh. I totally get it I know that I post a lot but like every time I press publish or like I schedule the thing my heart starts like racing I'm like who am I going to anger this time? Like, I don't know. Like, is someone going to get so <laughs> mad at me or like, I don't know, but it's been fun. And I know that the people that really matter in my life are going to stay there no matter what. I mean, you're not doing it for them. Mm-hmm. You're doing it for you. You have a pretty good amount it's of grown. subscribers. I was, I'm really surprised by it's that, grown. honestly, because a few years ago, I wouldn't have wanted to watch this type of thing. Like, I really wasn't interested in it at all. Mm. And so I think yeah whenever I get a new subscriber someone reaches out to me I'm like I don't want to like put myself down because then that makes them start thinking that about me you know how you don't like bring attention to it but I'm always I always think like why do you care like about what I have to say I don't know (laughs) but no it's great knowing that people get something out of it and they they can process more of their story just based on knowing that someone else has gone through it or gone through something similar mm-hmm. so it's very helpful well would you want to share your youtube channel and your instagram? sure so instagram and youtube it's at adoptee lily l-i-l-l-y the youtube channel name has actually started to shift towards lily Fei, which brings into my chinese name just because now that i've been mm-hmm. posting more like vlogs and stuff and i'm showing more of my life i I don't know, like having Adoptee Lily as a channel name seems not as, Very. it's more restrictive and like, especially now right. that I keep saying, you know, I'm more than just an adoptee. I don't want to be like, oh, but you can find mm-hmm. me at Adoptee Lily. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah. It sort of yeah. pigeons you, pigeonholes you but into, you know yes. how on the internet, everything you put out, it just stays there forever. So I'm pretty sure if you still search Adoptee sure. Lily, my channel will come up no matter what no no matter how much time okay (laughs) actually I think that's exactly what happened when we connected you had just posted that you were shifting Mm -hmm. to Lily Faye and I actually didn't realize that the channel had changed and I typed in adoptee Lily yeah yeah and I think if you type in my (laughs) full name it comes up too like the internet hides nothing (laughs) Mm. I am learning that and then Facebook also controls Instagram and it's so I ended up making a Facebook page for this podcast, which I really didn't want yeah. to. <laughs> so it goes. <laughs> Thank you for talking with me. And I look forward to seeing where you go next, especially post PhD, where you're going to move, the change in your channel, the transition too. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll see how people like it. But I mean, I hope now my target is really just connecting with adoptees and showing them that we're not alone we're resilient we have lives outside of adoption Mm -hmm. we don't need to be defined by adoption so I'm really excited but it is going to be a shift and so I think it might be you know kind of a weird change for some people the the true followers and (laughs) adoptees will always exactly the ones with the right (laughs) intent of course (laughs) well then goodbye for now Thank you for listening to ABC. We are on major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. 
email adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or DM Adopted Babies from China pod on Instagram if you would like to share your story. Oh, and there's also a Facebook page. <laughs> Thank you so Bye much for me. having me. <laughs>